I am delivery number 46, Gray, and the courier is currently on delivery number 41, and they're about 15 minutes away. Delivery of what? Uh, I'm getting some new Apple products today, like an Apple Watch is on the way, and an Apple TV is on the way. Today is the day, so during today's show, I'm going to be taking receipt of some new stuff, so you'll probably lose me for a while, you know, as I just go and press the buttons on my new toys. You, you lucky jerk! You got you got your orders in ahead of me. Yep. I am. Let me let me just look it up really quickly. According to my app for my Apple Watch, I am delivery number ten thousand four hundred and forty fourth. I presume because it's not coming until October. <laughs> well, the early bird catches the pre orders or something. I, I guess, guess so. Is. I guess so. So you bought the uh, Apple Watch of LTE, huh? This is going to be part of the multi-multi-watch lifestyle. How many watches are you going to keep around when a third one is your life? What, what, what do you mean multi? Like I already lived the multi-watch lifestyle. I have two watches. That's two. So then, is there a third going to join, or like what happens? You're going to no, replace the other that one with an that LTE make, watch? That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, I just thought. Have you bought two LTE watches for yourself? No, I have bought one LTE watch for myself. Right, right. Because it would be crazy to buy two, right? It would be crazy to buy two right at the start. Yeah, that would. <laughs> nice qualification there. <laughs> well, I don't yet know. I don't yet know how useful the LTE watch is, or exactly how it's going to fit into my life, or how it's going to work with my various habits. Are you even on the correct network for this? Uh, I, I have not investigated that. I didn't know that I needed to look into networks. Mm-hmm. If you're not on EE in the UK, then you're then you're out of luck, my friend. Oh, really? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just delivered some horrifying news to you. Well, maybe it's a good thing then that my delivery is not until number 10,000 or something. I'm currently on three is the is yep. my network provider of choice. And it's time for you to switch network if you want to use an LTE Apple Watch. No, but surely surely the networks are going to update with this. Surely, yeah. So it'll only be a couple of days, I'm sure, until all of the yeah. other networks come on board. Yeah, it'll be no problem. Oh, Mike. <sighs> I was not expecting to get this piece of news from you. Hmm. Yeah. And it never never even occurred to me that this might be limited to different carriers. Yep, it is. It is just one in the UK, just one for now. Mm. So you got some work to do, my friend. I've got I've got some life rearranging to do. Yep. I I actually don't think it's like it's at all possible to even get it to work. Like it has to be the carrier that you're on, otherwise you've got no no choice. Hmm, the one thing that's frustrating me, though, again, I don't know if you know this, it doesn't roam. You can't roam. Huh, I, I'm not surprised by that. I didn't think about that, but I'm not surprised yeah. that at the start there's no roaming with the LTE watch. It's definitely version one. I mean, and also, like, all of the earlier reviews, there's a bunch of problems with it, but apparently there's some fixes on the way. But I'm waiting to see. Like, I'm going to reserve my own judgment until I've actually had time to play around with it. Mm-hmm. Which, by the time this episode comes out, I probably will have played around with it and right. will have spoken about it on my various technology-focused podcasts, of which I will include links in the show notes, Gray. Yes. You're going to be wearing the watch while we're doing this show and probably simultaneously recording another one of your shows to give your first impressions. Yeah, every time you're talking, I'm talking to somebody else. Yeah, that's how that works. That's how Mike gets all these podcasts done. CT does mm-hmm. simul-podcasting. It's very intense. But that, that's intense. how you that's how you do 20 shows. At it's once. the only way it is the only way to do it and maintain work life balance. You have to double. <laughs> it's like two times work and then life balance. That's how you do it. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think that formula comes out the way you think it comes out. But but sure, okay. sure, sure. don't worry about it. It's, it's in practice. It, it works. 
you know, just just on paper, it seems a bit tricky. Hmm. Let's come back to that. I want to know what you think about the iPhone 10, but let's come back to that a little bit later on so okay. we can give, give some respite um, to the people that don't care about these types of things. Because there has been some huge news. There's been a there's been a rift. There was a there was a uh, I could feel a change in the force, Gray. Oh, yeah? As you uploaded a YouTube video. Oh, okay. Well, now that's that's <laughs> you're being a little dramatic there. Do Q and A videos really count? I feel like they count for half a video. Well, okay, it was like it was a minor rift. It was a minor disturbance in the mm-hmm. force as you uploaded a, a semi-YouTube video, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it still was one. It still had animations in it. It still had fun parts of it. It still took work, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, but there is it does a video. still take work. There is is a, true. You've come back. How does it feel to make your triumphant return to YouTube? Boy, you're really, you're really enjoying this, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, look, what I enjoy most is the comments that I see so often of... Yes, I know these tickle you. <laughs> podcaster CGP Grey, who sometimes uploads YouTube videos. Do you, do you know that, uh, I mean, I have no say in this kind of thing, but the consensus on my Wikipedia page was to reverse the order in, in, which, uh, in which my professions are listed? I mean, all you can do is just <laughs> look at the facts. I mean, I'm not one to talk, right? Because I have not uploaded anything to my YouTube channel for a while. Mm-hmm. There is a good reason for that, which we'll get into later. Like, I just have a ton of footage mm-hmm. just sitting on my iPhone that I haven't been able to do anything with because I've been working on some other stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm pleased to see that you've made your return. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you, you're pleased that I've, I've made a return. I always figure it's not for me to determine how people want to describe what it is that I do. And I'll... I'll I'll let them describe it however they want. But I, d- I do, too, think it's funny when people list essentially in reverse order all the things mm-hmm. that I do. It, like, it, those are always entertaining comments. I think it makes sense, though, because like you have two mostly regular shows, like two mostly regular podcasts and then a YouTube channel mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you post stuff on an incredibly sporadic basis. I'm not arguing with the Wikipedia here. I just think it's funny that someone went in and changed it. But I am looking at CGP Grey, podcaster and educational YouTuber. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. I'm glad you like it. Did you go back into the swing of things? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it was fine. Um, okay, so this, this is this is one of these things that is it's a bit weird to have a podcast where you sort of talk about your working life in public mm-hmm. because like sometimes there are things that you kind of can't talk about, and like, people know I always. Uh, Whenever I can, I try to take time off for the summer because it is the eternal teacher within me who feels like summertime. Nobody should work during the summertime. But this past summer, just for various things that aren't necessarily really interesting to talk about on the show, like I was really busy with non-public work stuff. So the YouTube channel was essentially on pause for a couple of months. Uh, and that's part of what the part of what the delay was. But no Q and A video. Like, people seem to like it. The reception seems to be good. Uh, I'm, I'm never quite sure with the Q and A videos. I always feel like since they're a little bit of a different kind of video, I don't know how they're going to be received. But yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to post stuff on the the YouTube channel. Like I genuinely feel better when I do that kind of thing. Is that like that's the sort of work that my brain treats as. Like the realest, most countingest of work that I do. Mm. It's like, oh, you've uploaded a YouTube video. That's that's real work. Like, oh, you put out a bunch of podcasts this month. It's like, ah, you were just talking to people. Like, that's not real work. Um, is is it how is. my brain sort of treats it. 
Okay, okay, you keep treating it like that. That's fine. You keep treating it like not work. If that <laughs> if that helps you to continue to do these things, then that's fine by me. <laughs> I'm not saying that it helps me to continue. I'm just simply saying that's how my brain treats it. Yeah. And it's it's just like a you can't argue with brains, you know. They're going to do what they do. And I, like I would genuinely try to argue with my brain and be like, "You know, podcasting is real work too." And my brain just kind of shrugs at that. And it's like, "Yeah, I guess. Whatever." And then it looks away. Whatever, That's lazy how boy. Brain reacts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> are you back into the swing though? Like, are you working on meaty videos? You know, yeah, yeah. The, the what are they? The historical science videos that you make. Are you working <laughs> yes, on right. any of those historical science videos? Yep. Yeah, we we actually we didn't quite get into it last time, but we sort of touched on like our sleep schedules being all messed up, and you'll have to tell me about that that sleep survey later. But <laughs> gosh, yeah, I will. <laughs> just still didn't really understand what was occurring with that but anyway um i did uh we were talking then about like trying to have a regular sleep schedule and and how important it is and and it is one of these things that i did i did have this really exhausting summer and i as i was mentioning last time like i just felt like i could not get back into the regular flow of things Mm -hmm. and so i did end up uh taking a a graycation to really buckle down and be like, okay, brain, you and me, like, we're going to get back into the schedule of real work that's really going to happen. And we're going to be getting up at 530 and you're not going to like any of it, Ugh. but we're, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting. It was, it was really quite brutal because <laughs> uh, my brain was bucking very hard against this, but I did it. And it was important to do. And like, that's part of the reason the Q&A video came up and there's some other things in the work. It is interesting trying to do the thing where you force yourself back into a into a pattern. Um, so anyway, that's something that I was up to, and I've been now regularly getting up, you know, very early in the morning, which again is is a thing that really is the number one like contributing factor to how do I feel about how my working life is going and how productive do I feel that I am on any particular day. So I'm pretty happy about that. Well, I'm pleased that you were able to somehow get it back, right? Like, <laughs> my thing was just I came back to work with a messed up schedule at one of the most important parts of mm. my working year. So I had was forced into a... I, my sleep cycle wasn't forced at all. Like, it was still just a disaster for most of mm-hmm. the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's kind of not re- really been much choice. Like, I just have to kind of just live with it. Um, mm. It also didn't help that, like, the way in which the work occurs during this period of time meant that there was sometimes where I was going to bed at two thirty because I had no choice. You mean because you were recording with somebody in like on the West Coast, and that yep. was the time they were available? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Like that, there's nothing I can do about that, and so that really didn't help. So like even because there was a lot of stuff contributing to me staying up later, even if I didn't want to. So basically, like I'm still in a real bad way with sleep right now. Mm-hmm. but it's not jet lag anymore. Like mm-hmm. I've just got a really screwed up schedule because I haven't done a very good job of managing it. And maybe for the first time in my life, I have truly recognized the effect of bad sleep on me. Oh yeah. I feel like maybe for the first time I've really been able to be like, Oh, I feel really bad today. Mm-hmm. I think it might be because I haven't been sleeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe the first time this has ever really happened. And I think it's because this has been the biggest shock to my system, like 
with the amount of time that I spent in another time zone and then not being able to get into a position where I was able to change it, even though my life around me has dictated that I had to change, right? So mm-hmm. like I've been having like errands to run or meetings or things that were happening in the morning in England, mm-hmm. but everything else was happening in the evening in the US. Okay, so you had a big, big stretch of time in between. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I was having to cater to all of it in a way that whilst also being quite badly jet lagged, mm-hmm. right? Like it was all just happening. <laughs> and <laughs> this is maybe the first time where I've been like, I have not felt great the last couple of weeks. And I, and you know, like I've been getting colds and stuff like that happening here and there, right? Like it keeps coming and going and it's like, mm, yeah, I need to sleep more. Since you happen to have have had this schedule where there's two blocks of working time that are separated by a great distance during the day, have you ever tried naps, Mike? I hate naps. See, oh, I hate them. I used I used to be this guy, like, and I, I I used to I used to have like a moral rejection of naps. It's like, oh, naps. That's that's for lazy people and cats, right? That you know, like a grown man is not going to lie down and take a little nap, but. It is it is a thing that I have tried, and I feel like the most beautiful and perfect sleep cycle for me, but that is yet also the most fragile, is is the waking up early in the morning and then taking a very brief midday nap and kind of breaking the day into two phases. It's like when I can get into that groove, it's like everything everything is right in the world. And I used to be really opposed to naps. And if, if you're really opposed to them, like, I think you should, I think you should just give it a try. Like a very, very short nap, like just 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, you know, not an hour, but it, it, it really is very helpful. I want to give you, I've just written this down on a notebook that I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. I have, I have two points here about naps. Okay. Point number one, every time I've ever taken a nap, whether purposefully or accidentally, mostly accidentally. Mm-hmm. I wake up and I don't know where I am. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. And I just uh-huh. feel atrocious. Yeah. No, accidental naps are awful. And I, I'm, I'm with you there 100% of the time. If you wake up from an accidental nap, uh, it, it's that feeling of like, <gasps> like, you're, like what, uh, where am I? Like, what, what happened? Am I, was I suffocating to death? Uh, and then, and then you have that horrific sleep inertia where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sitting up from the couch. But it feels like only my soul has sat up and my body is still lying on the couch. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, that sound that you made is the perfect way of describing the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is also the, the alarm went off when I was in the middle of a dream waking up sound. Yep. Right, This is like getting up early in the morning. I was like, <gasps> like I can't, I just need air. <laughs> like I'm drowning. <laughs> but actually I was just asleep. The second part, is mm-hmm. an issue that I have about planning into my day what I consider to be wastes of time and how I feel mm-hmm. about those. I waste time every day procrastinating, like every human being, right? Like, I waste time. Of course. But, it, but if I plan into my day a period of time where I won't be working, I get very anxious about that if I'm busy. This is my own problem that I need to take steps to deal with and it's something that i think about but it's like if i schedule a lunch with a friend 
whilst I'm also busy, or I have a lunch with a friend booked in, and then my week goes pear-shaped, and I end up with a bunch of tasks that need to be completed, I feel really anxious about that. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having naps, like planning to take a nap, I don't know. I feel like I would, I feel like I would be very uncomfortable about like, oh, I'm just gonna go to sleep for an hour. Like, no, I don't know. Yeah, well, again, don't go to sleep for an hour. That's terrible. Oh. That's a bad idea. Well, what are we talking here? Again, twenty, thirty minutes. That, that's all you need here. And also, here, here's the trick with the twenty, thirty minute nap: is you shouldn't really be expecting to go into full sleep. Like when you get into this routine. You're not, you're not really sleeping. What you're doing is you're going into a kind of low power mode for a little bit. That, that's, that's what's occurring. And it, it makes it easier to pull out of without feeling like you're drowning and you're dying. Hmm. Don't do the hour thing. Like you're always going to feel terrible with, with an hour of sleep. That's, that's a bad idea. Because it always takes me a long time to go to sleep. Always. Yeah. But this is it. You don't, don't think about it like I'm going to bed in the middle of the day. Think about it more. I'm closing my eyes for 25 minutes. And that, that's it. That's all you have to do. Just close your eyes for 25 minutes. And, and that, is, that is the minimum that, that needs to occur. And like I said, it, in my experience, this is, this is a fragile thing. In, in, even in my life, which I try to keep as relatively unscheduled as possible. Like stuff comes up that will always make it inconvenient to just go to sleep for a little bit in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. But when, when that works, like it works really great. And if you, if you know you're going to have to be up later, it's, it's vital. Like one of, one of my top conference survival tips, like I was doing a bunch of conferences over the summer, is you have to go back to the hotel and take a nap at some point in the afternoon. And, and like, that that is for me conference survival tip number 1 like if you yeah. if you do not do this you will severely regret it later in the day well but see then the thing is i know i know that's gone wrong for you like i've been in situations where i said to you where were you yesterday and you said to me i took a nap and didn't wake up i have no re- i have no memory of what when this is i think that you're like making up a story so that you don't have to take a nap no this is true i'm not a nine-year-old like (laughs) (laughs) no one's putting me down right like we're we're good i remember it was somewhere it was either at all or was at awwdc or something i have i remember saying to you where did you go and you were like oh well i went to take a nap and then i woke up oh i know what you're i know what you're talking about i went upstairs in the evening and just fell asleep on my bed because I was exhausted and slept through the whole night. Yeah, mm. I, that was a WWDC. That was the first WWDC. Okay. Was I thought like, oh, I'm going to come back downstairs. I'm just going to go upstairs for a little while. But this is actually my brain was tricking me because I was really tired from the time changes. Uh, but that that was not a I'm lying down to take a nap thing. That was is it was it was like nine o'clock at night already, which by my measure is a reasonable time for everyone to be winding down the night. But it seems that for most people, this is when mm-hmm. they think the evening begins. Just kicking off. Yeah, which, which I find very frustrating. Are you sitting in front of your computer right now? If so, I'd like you to think about something. If your computer crashed, crashed hard, its circuits casting off their mortal coils, what would you lose? Think about all of the documents, projects, contracts, photos, videos that you have on your computer. 
that you'd never see again. You need to protect those files with online backup, and that's why this episode of Cortex is brought to you by Backblaze. Backblaze can help you avoid that terrible loss, all for just $5 a month for unlimited cloud backup for your Mac or PC. I know I've mentioned it before, but a while ago, I had a real hard crash on my computer, and were it not for Backblaze, I would have lost the original documents for most of my YouTube back catalog. But because I had Backblaze, they just shipped me an encrypted drive through the mail a couple days later, and all was right in the world. Backblaze is what I use to keep my files safe. It's what I have used to restore my irreplaceable files. And it's not just for me. They have restored over 20 billion files. If you don't have Backblaze running on the computer you're sitting in front of right now, you really need to change that. Open up your web browser and type in backblaze.com cortex. Go there right now and start your 15-day free trial. You won't regret it. Their service is simple, gimmick-free, and clear. $5 a month, unlimited backup. Backblaze.com slash Cortex. I would suggest that you try the nap thing. Just try it for a little while. And I also, I would also want to make a suggestion out there for you and for the listeners is to reframe sleep as part of the working cycle. To not necessarily think of it in the way that you're thinking of it, like, oh, I'm planning in this period of time where I'm doing nothing. I think it's it's important to reframe this as a necessary part of work. And that is part of the reason why I like I specifically took time in my schedule to say, like, the number one thing that I am going to try to fix is my sleep schedule. And if I have to mess up the rest of everything that I'm working on, like, I don't care because this is this is like the ground base level. If this isn't fixed, almost nothing else matters. So I, I think there should be a reframing in your mind of sleep as a part of work. Mm. This feels like a long-term project, honestly. Like, if this is going to be a thing that I'm able to do. Because like right now, I'm listening to you, and I'm like, I'm not going to nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this might have to be a real long-term thing. I just... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need to feel these effects again, mm-hmm. right? So, like, this is the first time it's ever happened to me, and there's still a part of my mind where it's like these were really like extenuating circumstances. But there is also a possibility that as I am approaching my thirtieth year, uh, that this is how I'm going to be now, right? That like mm-hmm. every time I come back from a trip, I'm going to feel like this. So I need to see if that's going to be a thing that occurs as I take more trips throughout the rest of the year. Then I'll maybe consider napping. But right now, I'm clutching onto anything that still makes me feel like I'm in my 20s. So right. uh, not taking naps is one of those things. I wasn't going to bring it up, Mike. But of course, <laughs> like, yes, this is this is one of these things that as, not it, not you, but like as one ages, as some, one finds... You know. <laughs> That they need to focus on some things in a different way mm-hmm. than they used to. Well, look, I'm not an old man, right? I'm, I didn't. Say, I did not say man. that you were. I know. I know I'm that, not, right? Like, and, and that. I know that there's going to be many people that hear me say as I'm approaching my thirties and they start rolling their eyes. But over the last couple of years, there have been a few things in my life that I have felt change, and mm-hmm. I know it's because I'm getting older. Can you give me an example of a thing that you have noticed as you've gotten older that has changed? 
Are you able to drink as hard as you used to, Mike? I would ne- I'd say I've never really been a hard drinker. Hmm. But what I have noticed is if I have any alcohol, I can tell the next day. Like if mm. somebody was to sneak alcohol into a beverage, right? Like if I would know the next day because I would feel like that they poisoned me. Technically, I think they had. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, technically they did. But yeah, I I would say that I feel it now in a way that I never did before. Like any amount of alcohol, it's not like I always get a bad hangover or I feel sick or anything like that. Just my body knows. Mm-hmm. That is probably the the, the the easiest one that like I have that I have felt is like yeah okay, I feel like this is probably a consequence of me get becoming older. There's sort of two things in the in this conversation. Like one of one of which is I do think that you do have to be aware that things change over time, and I think you, I think you are wandering into the valley that many of us wander into, which is is recognizing like you have to be protective of of sleep. And I, I always found myself very sensitive to changes in sleep. And I think that that is just cranking up as time goes on. And then there's the other thing of just like being aware of your own working habits changing over time. So, yeah. so something, I, like something I was really interested in was with this last episode of trying to fix my own sleep schedule is like I've always been very naturally a morning person. And I was just having such a hard time booting back into that, that there is there is a question in my mind of maybe it's time to reevaluate what your schedule actually looks like. Like maybe this thing that was that was previously true is no longer true, that waking up super early is is like the best way to for me to have a good day. I think you have to constantly reevaluate the way that you work and the way that you set up your schedule and. While I have booted myself back into what, I, what what for me I know is the ideal situation where I either wake up or I'm pretty much half awake before my alarm goes off anyway. And that's like, ah, okay, great. Now I know I'm in the in the perfect zone. But it took so long to get there that I do wonder like, hmm, maybe this early of a schedule just isn't for me anymore and i'll have to just see over the next several months like how do i how do i feel about this maybe this is a thing that needs to be adjusted or or maybe it's just well i had an unusually exhausting summer and it just took longer than expected to get back into things because stuff changes over time but yeah it it's like i think it's very this skill of observing yourself i think is one of the most important skills that you you need to have and being sensitive to things don't always stay the same is is part of is part of that skill so gray i feel like you know our listeners they're they're waiting on the edge of their seats right for for where my parcel is i don't think they are but okay i'm afraid to say that there will be no live unboxing today on the on the show Oh, you're not going to treat the listeners to a live audio unboxing of your Apple Watch? Nope, because I have been bitten by the uh, the bug that mm-hmm. is parcel delivery in that uh, apparently I'm not in my home today. Mm-hmm, yes. Because they have attempted to deliver to me mm-hmm. um, and couldn't, couldn't, couldn't find me. So I don't really know what happened. Uh, I'm sitting right here, but yeah, that's that, so... 
No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cortex listeners. There will be no there will be no live unboxing of an Apple Watch on the show today because I'm I'm in some other dimension, I think. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, Mike. It's okay. You you have my you have my sympathies. Uh I too have very many a time at the end of the day gone down to the uh ground floor in my building and discovered many a letter informing me that I was not home all day to receive my packages that I was waiting for. <laughs> I feel like you lazy bastards. <laughs> I know what happened. Um, they gave me a delivery window. You know, like we're going to deliver between 3.15 and 4.15. Mm-hmm. 4.15 passed. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I see. You think right? there's some shenanigans here. Yeah. That somebody is filling out on his tablet that he hit his marks and you yeah. just weren't home. Yeah. Mm. Because there's a lot, there's always a lot of things to deliver on a uh, new iPhone day, right? Cause it's also a new iPhone day today. And, uh, I expect that they decided that they were just going to miss me out on my window because he has other windows he needs to hit. Look at that. That's what I Juicing think the stats. Yeah. It's That's the, the great it. scourge of the world. That's how they get you. And then I want to change my delivery day, but the system is experiencing difficulties. All right. From everybody else who's really angry. Exactly. We're experiencing issues updating your parcel information at this time. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sorry that you didn't get your devices on day one. It's okay. I genuinely am sorry because I know this is a thing that is actually part of your job, is getting these things on time. Yeah. The, luckily, the Apple Watch isn't as much of a problem. Um if it was a phone, I would be in, in much more disarray right now. But this is just going to be a mild inconvenience, honestly. It's no. like, I'll work it out. I've still got a few days before. So you've shown your hand then you didn't buy an iPhone 8. No, I didn't buy an iPhone 8. Oh, yeah. We're, we're like ever so slightly sneaking towards the iPhone discussion again, which we're not going to have right now. No, of course. Because I want to talk about the sleep survey because it kind of took a real turn, Gray, in the Reddit. It, it kind of got a bit out of control. So... My original conceit of my ill-conceived survey was one quick question just to try and get a rough idea of do Cortex listeners, if given the chance, would they give up sleep, right? Like that was all the question was for me. It was like, do you prefer to sleep or would you prefer to not sleep? But you know what, Mike? When you were talking to me on the show, I was Mm -hmm. very confused as to what your question was. Okay. And I was also really aware when I was listening to do my edit of Mm -hmm. the show that I still, I still felt like I don't understand what the hell this guy's asking me. I don't under, I don't, I can't conceptualize what well, this see, question really this is. This was the thing. I mean, and I think this is a problem that many people had. It, too many people were trying to find this to be like a real scientific survey that I was attempting to conduct. It was just a pure thing of like, if somebody said to you, "You can never sleep again," <laughs> would you take it? That was what I wanted to know. It's like, and it's the idea of. Do our listeners feel like they enjoy sleep? I guess is maybe a better way to phrase the question. Yeah, yeah like, no, but enjoy no, see, it so much that they would never give it up. That's kind of no, but Mike, what I was looking for. This is like if if you have a conversation where someone says like, "Oh, what what superpowers would you want?" Mm-hmm. You have to get out the like the lawyer yeah. to consult about what yeah. the details are of the superpower because it really matters. Right? Where because it's like, "Oh, what I'm learned. invulnerable." It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, yeah. Let me. We need to go through a few things here. It's like, well. When the heat death of the universe arrives, like, am I still around because I'm invulnerable? Like, well, then I don't want your, like, you need to get out the piece of paper here. And so when you say you don't need to sleep, it's like, okay, well, do I live the same amount of time and my lifespan has just increased a third? Or 
am I still counting down the same number of hours? Like this, this really matters. Just, just take it as a, it was all it was. It was just a simple question. Anyway, I know now I've learned a lesson uh, because the Reddit thread is full of people asking me for rule clarifications. <laughs> I know, there was I, no course. rules, everybody. Like they, they, I wasn't trying to set up a world for you. But you can't answer the question without understanding the rules. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it, it was meant to just be like really like a, a litmus test, a gauge, like just a, just a very rough <laughs> idea was all I was looking for. But what you really found out is that there's, there's two kinds of listeners, the kind of listeners who don't care and the kind of listeners like me who get out the rules book and they're like, Okay, well, now tell me where on this D&D chart this is going to follow, right? What do you mean by the word chaos, right? That's that's what you discovered. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I can actually see a delivery driver outside my window. Go, go I'm get gonna him. I'm going to try and shout go at him. Go get him. Go run. I don't know if he's going to make it, guys. Hey. Hey, excuse me. Yeah. Do you have a possible... <laughs> I don't think you listeners can hear it. But I just heard Mike through my headphones yelling at the delivery driver to go get his attention. Let's see what happens. I'm sure this is very dramatic for you listeners. I, I'm, I'm sure you're all very invested in whether or not Mike is getting his watches today. Well, there's a... Are you sure? No. All right. No. Doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound good. I don't believe him. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't sound it didn't sound good when you were coming back. Sitting outside the window, he's like, no, nah, sixty-two. I'm like, whatever. Anyway. Alright, now that you're back, Mike, tell me the results mm-hmm. of this sleep survey that made no logical sense at all when you really wanted to just ask people, do you like sleep, yes or no? It for the whole time from the the beginning of the survey to now, it was around sixty percent to forty percent. And that that's sixty percent people would say I wouldn't want to sleep, and forty percent of people said that they would sleep. And even mm. though so many people required rules, there there were many <laughs> thousands of people that filled mm-hmm. out the survey without clar- rule clarifications. Um, and basically, mm. my hypothesis that I had in my mind came true, which was that given the chance, most of our listeners would prefer to use that time for something else other than sleeping. Hmm. That was kind of all I wanted to know, really. But for whatever reason, either I phrased it badly or like oh. just this isn't the type of question you're allowed to ask people. I, I, I don't know who those people are who filled out, yes, they'd go without sleep without doing the rules clarification. That's, that's like wishing with a genie, you know, without getting out the rules as well. It's like, mm, well, you're going to get app buddies forever that you didn't ask for if you do that. This is one of those monkey paw type situations. That's all it is. You know, you say mm-hmm. you can't sleep. Oh, well, that means you lose your eyelids. I don't know like, how it ends up being, but like there's a, there's a bad situation in there somewhere. But that's not what yeah. I was looking for. But that's what I think most people in our Reddit thread were expecting was going to happen. But purely, it was a simple question. You know, I feel like you got, a, you got a real bucket full of internet right there, Mike. That's I what really happened. did. I, I, got, I got a couple of fistfuls of internet thrown at me. Uh, over over a couple of weeks and you know what as well this is i know this is going to be one of these things it's going to come back to me forever (laughs) this is going to be one of those things that in four years time i will still be getting questions about clarifications of the rules of the sleep no sleep survey that'll teach you no more surveys mike well yeah no more no more surveys i'm not going to say that though because i might have surveys in the future but next time i do a survey i'm at least going to know what i'm letting myself in for instead I'll do a survey. I'll ask the people if they want surveys. But but what kind of surveys, Gray? 
This episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by our friends at Hover. Building your online identity has never been more important. And with Hover, you find the domain that shows the world who you are, what you're passionate about, and what you're building. Every single project I have ever started, I think one of the very first things that I do is go to hover.com and check for domain names. When we were naming the name of our company, when we were coming up with the name Relay FM, we went through lists and lists of ideas that we had. And one of the reasons that we decided to call our company Relay FM is because the domain was available. That's how important it is in today's world for you to have the name of the thing that you want to make. You want to be able to protect the identity. And that's where Hover comes in. I think about like myself. I have MikeHurley.net, MikeHurley.com. I have funny joke URLs like MikeWasRight.com. I have jokes that I play on friends of mine and I buy the URLs for them because it's part of who I am online. People know what these things are and, and we find some fun in it together. If you want to put your idea out into the world, you need a domain name for it. It is that simple. The thing that's great about Hover is that they allow you to keep your domain separate from your hosting. So you never have to get stuck with a hosting service that doesn't meet your needs. I love that Hover has a best-in-class support team. If I've ever needed help with anything, I've just sent them an email and they get back to me. And it's super simple. They have over 400 domain name extensions to choose from as well, including all of the classics and fun niche extensions. It's how I'm able to get .coms, .fms, and even .pizza if I want to. If you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you make the first step. Head to hover.com slash cortex and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. I want to thank Hover for their support of this show and for helping me name the things that I care about. Okay, so one of the reasons that I've struggled to sleep is that I decided to take on a project tied to the busiest part of my year, Mm -hmm. which was to record an audiobook. Close friend and colleague of mine, Mr. Federico Vitici, he runs a website called Mac Stories. And Mac Stories is focused on technology mostly around Apple, whether it's iOS devices, Macs, that kind of stuff. They, they talk about these types of things. We've, we've spoken about Federico a lot on this show um, because he's very good at working on the iPad and workflow and things like that. He writes a very uh, in-depth and interesting uh, iOS review every year. Um, So he was working on one for iOS 11, uh, where he goes into detail about all of the different features and facets of iOS 11 and the release that Apple put out. I would say that Federico's review is the definitive review of iOS 11. Yep, because he, he explores and talks about everything that is Mm -hmm. coming into it and it's really great you can pick it up you can read parts of it federico's reviews are longer than the types of things that i would usually read um i think i've said on this show many times like i don't like to read like you're not a big reader i'm not a big reader um i struggle to keep focus and attention um on reading books Uh, i like to listen to books i like audiobooks you know any book that we've read for the book clubs um all that sort of stuff i i do in audio versions (laughs) <laughs> which I have mentioned, I think serves you poorly for some of the books that we have read. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but such is life. I can't imagine reading some of those books without being able to skim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing is I would pay no attention to it and give up if I had to read. Like I would give up. They would. It just mm-hmm. never would have worked. So I have spoken to Federico a few times about like, you know, why don't you have an audiobook version of your review? Like I would love that. It would be an easier way for me and I'm sure many other people to consume the, the 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 content and we spoke about this for a couple of years and then i ended up putting my money where my mouth is and i recommended to be the person that would do it hmm. 
we agreed upon it and I did it. And it was like 35 hours of work, uh, but I narrated, um, produced, edited, mastered an audiobook for Federico's iOS 11 review. And it's five hours and 22 minutes long in total. And it's available now. You can buy it. There'll be links in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, I think it's a really good way of consuming it. If you like podcasts and want this type of information, then go for it. The reason I'm bringing this up today is because there are a couple of things through this whole process that were interesting to me. The first of them being deadlines and bosses. (laughs) Because I've not really had either of those things imposed on me in a while. Well, don't you think? But this, the the all of the shows that you do are are deadlines. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think of you as imposing deadlines upon me with regards to this show. Like the podcasts are are deadlines. Yep, I impose deadlines on other people. Nobody uh, really imposes okay. them on me. I, I choose see. the all deadlines, right. right? Like I choose them. The, the, all the deadlines that I have these days are deadlines that I choose. Hmm. The deadlines for this were not chosen by me. I mean, in some instances, they were chosen by Apple, like whenever Apple wants, because we don't know when iOS 11 is going to come out until like a week before it comes out. Uh, I always forget that. For some reason, I, I in my head, I'm always thinking that that, that, is an, that the release date is announced at WWDC, but it isn't. It isn't. So there is like a time frame that you can work to. But so like there are these issues where like we didn't know when it was going to come out. So there was like this deadline being set by the universe. And then, you know, also in working with Federico, like I'm working for him, I'm producing this mm-hmm. book for him, he will put deadlines on me of like, this is when I'm going to need it. Like, they can announce it on this date, but I'm still going to need it X amount of time before that. So that was interesting. Yeah, there's there's some amount of, you need to have it ahead of time yep. to, to get it ready to actually go up. And I had like a real boss, right? I had someone setting the tasks. I had someone providing me with the material. They would set deadlines. They would make approvals and request me to make changes. I have mm-hmm. not done something like this in a very long time. How did you feel about having a boss? Like, are, are you going to badmouth your boss on the podcast? He was, no, he was fine. Because <laughs> right, it's also, it's a collaborative thing, right? But there were parts of it that just reminded me of having a boss and working mm-hmm. in a process. Because, you know, like they would give me something, I would make something out of it, and they would be like, oh, you've got to change this word, you've got to reread this sentence, you haven't done this in the right way. You're like, this is what it was like when I was writing advertising copy at the bank, right? Like, that's that was this process. And it's been a really long time since I've done it, and it was very interesting. It was illuminating for me. Illuminating how? It was both better and worse than I expected, in its own weird and interesting ways, right? Like, I have worked for myself for long enough, which makes me believe that I could never work for anybody ever again. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was fine. Like, it wasn't a problem for me to be told what to do. Yeah. Like, okay, you you say that, but I think this is such a different situation because you essentially talked yourself into doing this, right? You really bullied your way into a job. You're like, there needs to be an audiobook version. There needs to be an audiobook yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. And eventually you're I like, I'm going to make an audiobook for it. I don't think this is, this is a normal boss-employee relationship. No, it's not. Here. Well, that's why I'm saying it's like it's better and worse, right? Mm-hmm. Because like the better part is that, oh, it was fine. And the worst part is realizing that, oh, maybe it's true all along and I actually can't do anything that people tell me. Mm -hmm. Right. But like just the idea of the process, when we started out, like I was thinking like, oh, 
I'm going to be a real diva here and be like, nobody can tell me how to pronounce things differently. Like, you know, like I do them my way that like, I know what to do here. But then when they would hand things to me and be like, oh, you should change this because of this. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, okay, you know, that makes sense. Right. So it was, it was interesting. It was illuminating to me in the instance of I was able to break out of my own ego and actually work with people in this mm-hmm. way which is different to how I work. Because like in my mind, it's like, oh, I'm the professional here, right? Like I know what I'm doing. But I was still able to receive criticism and feedback in a way that I was concerned that I might not be able to because I've been out of this world for so long. Hmm. So it, that was an illuminating thing for me, which I found to be very useful to know. At least like for future projects and stuff like that, right? Like that I am aware of the fact that I'm able to take on this type of feedback and make changes. Like it was it was useful for me to know that I have not completely lost those skills when I was concerned that maybe I would have. Hmm. Because for all of my projects, like I tend to be the final say on most of them. Or at least if I'm not final, I feel like I have as much say as everybody else because it's a collaborative effort. But this really was a project that I was turning in, you know? Like, this was somebody else's work that I was just reading. Like, I am merely a a method of delivery. (laughs) You're a cog in the machine, Mike. That's what you are. And if there were changes that I felt should be made because they sound better to read, that kind of thing, I had to confirm them with the person whose work I was attempting to change, right? Like, this wasn't... Mm -hmm. I didn't have like complete agency in this as I do in my other work. And so it was an interesting experience in that way of becoming a cog in a machine again. Like I was part of a team producing a thing, but it wasn't my original work. Mm -hmm. So it was a very different thing, which felt a lot more like being part of a job again, because that Hmm. was what it was like. I was flexing those muscles again. Like the creative work that I would put together for a piece of mail that went through somebody's letterbox, the artwork, I didn't make that. It wasn't my idea. Somebody in a design agency made the artwork. I just approved it and turned it into a thing and put it through where it needed to go. Right? Like it was very much like that again. And it was just surprising to me that in that instance, like that was a thing that I was able to still deal with work with and be happy with so it was it was illuminating to me because i wasn't sure when i undertook this project what it was going to be like to be a part of a thing which i don't really have much control over Hmm. are you going to give up relay and go back to the bank yeah that's what i'm that is what i'm building to here as i was wondering is if you if you found you've missed it and you want to go back to the bank I didn't miss it. <laughs> I didn't miss it in that way, right? Mm-hmm. It was an interesting learning experience for me, but this isn't how I want to do my work, like mm-hmm. every single day of my life. Um, it was exhausting to produce this thing because it felt completely different to podcasting in a way that I wasn't expecting. Well, I mean, the, you know, you mentioned there about having to check with uh the original author if you want to change the wording of anything because i mean this is this is a thing with the written word that it 
totally sounds different when you speak it aloud. And there, there's lots of ways that people write and read things that are totally fine when they're being written and, and read, that if you actually say it out loud is, is awkward. And like, I, I don't know what, what Federico's writing process is like, um, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess he probably doesn't have an out loud draft. And so then you are, you are the person who is doing the out loud draft and you need to check with him. And I just, I happen to know that that when um, when when companies commission the audiobooks versions to be made, like they do like to have the authors read it if the if the author has a, a reasonable enough voice. But one of the other reasons why they like to have the author read it is because it closes that loop of the author can then in the recording booth live just make the changes to say like oh no it is better if i just say it this way and they don't need to confirm with anybody because like we have the author right here he's the guy reading the book right now uh but but you could not do that when you're actually recording the thing and i think it's like i imagine it's gotta be pretty tiring to read read aloud long stretches of of something that somebody else has written like a thing that is not in your authorial voice or is not the way you would say things it's tricky because you're constantly in the mindset of knowing it's not you Mm -hmm. and the presentation's different the way that i'm talking now it's just coming out of my brain, right? So, like, the right. things that I'm saying and the way that I pitch my voice and all that sort of stuff, it's just the way that somebody naturally speaks. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like, the way that your voice takes the little rhythm that it takes and goes up and down here and there. It's way harder to do that sort of stuff when the words are already created because you can either read them through and practice it a bunch of times or you do what I did where it's like, well, I'm just reading it and if it doesn't sound right, I'll go back and fix it. Right, like I'll mm. say something, be like, oh, I didn't samurai, so I read it again, read it again, read it again. And then there's like words that all of a sudden, like you it's just not in your mouth anymore. Like this sentence of three, four, five words that somehow is impossible for you to say. And it's <laughs> like, why is this happening to me? This, you know, so it's tiring. It's tiring work because you are, your brain is working at a completely different rate. Because like yeah. as I'm talking to you right now, I'm like looking around and I'm looking at a document in front of me and there are just like things that are happening and it's it helps kind of just focus my mind because there's all this stuff and I can talk and make silly hand gestures. But like I'm looking at this page and I'm just reading the words on this page. And mm-hmm. it is like a it is a very, very different experience in a way that I wasn't quite expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. And like the way that it made me feel like me and you will sit here for like three, four hours like three or four hours and we'll, we'll record this show. I would sit in front of the microphone for 45 minutes and I felt like I was going to pass out. <laughs> okay, so I, I've never done an audiobook, but I think the closest I, I'm, I'm realizing as you're talking that is my experience is doing the ads for the podcast. Well, I thought you were going to say like doing the scripts for your YouTube videos. That's probably what it's closest to. No, but that's different because that that like, that is a thing that is in my voice that is also designed uh, to be written out loud. Yeah, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. The the reason why I'm saying the ads is because like I have to concentrate so hard when I'm doing the ads, and part of that part of that is like hearing you describe doing the audiobook. It's it's the same thing that it's like when we're talking, 
the words just happen. Like if you if you pay attention, you don't even really know how you talk or how sentences are formed in your head. Like it just kind of comes out and you're talking or, or like or like you say, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm moving my hands, even though you're not here to see that. I can hear you moving your hands even when you <laughs> yes. say it. <laughs> it's it's just part of how conversation occurs but reading a thing that has been written for you to read is is just it's just more different and so yeah like i i always find it's like wow like the ads really take a lot of mental focus that and th- this is exactly the reason it's the same thing you're going through with the audiobook that it's because it is not in your voice uh, because it's a sentence that might not have been read aloud by the person who's originally writing it. It's just, uh, it's a different experience. So I'm, I'm thinking like if, if I, uh, if I was in a situation where we said like, Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to record all of the years cortex ads in advance in one go in an hour. I, I feel like I, I would, I would be thoroughly drained by the end of that. So I, I can easily see that when you're doing the audiobook. Uh, you know, a 45 minute stretch is like as far as you would want to go before taking, taking a break. I'd be really curious to know how long like a, a real professional audiobook narrator goes for. I can't even imagine it. Honestly, yeah. like I can't. On, uh, the most I could do was an hour at a time and I would have to take a break. Mm-hmm. Like if I would sit and talk for an hour and that's like, you know, I'm not like speaking constantly for that hour. You know, like mm-hmm. if for every minute, maybe I was taking 10 seconds, right? Like, you know, that th- I would take like maybe a couple of minutes here and there to like just relax and, and, and like take a drink of water and just like go over things in my head and just like get mm-hmm. ready to start speaking again. But if I would do that process for, for more than an hour, like I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I'd just have to get up and walk away. It was a, it was mm-hmm. a very interesting an illuminating process like i wasn't expecting it to be as hard as it was to do mm-hmm. like it just it was it was a surprise to me i thought that it was like i do this all the time like this is no problem i speak for a living like it's fine mm-hmm. my vo- my throat was getting hoarse that doesn't happen to me mm-hmm. like we will finish today and i'll be fine but mm-hmm. i would spend a day maybe recording like three or four hours for that day and I could barely talk in the evening. There were just so many things about this process that were surprising to me in that way that it was like, oh, I just think I'll just be able to transfer my skills. It won't be a problem. But a lot, obviously it was easier for me because I knew how to, like the edit was fine, right? Like I could edit Mm. things together. No, there are points where like, two halves of one word are two completely different times of me speaking, right? And like no one would ever know because like I've just gotten good at that over time that that was easy to do. But, yeah, that, that's a more direct transfer of skills. Yeah. But I was expecting there to be a greater transfer of skills for the speaking part than there was. Um, obviously, there are a lot of things. Sorry. Like, I can present things to people in a way that they can understand because I'm used to speaking and enunciating. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that is a thing that I have built. That's a skill that I've built. But it was just surprising to me how taxing it was to speak for long periods of time in that way. Now, for all these screenshots that Federico includes in his review, did you paint a word picture for the people? Right. So this is part of it. How do you do that? Right. These were mm-hmm. things that I had to do. Or like every time something is in parentheses. No, you have to use the parentheses voice. Everybody knows. Like there's, there's the parentheses voice you use when you're talking. I use that voice. But when you come back on the other side of it, if it's not written to be done that way, it's really tricky. And like, so uh, there was stuff that I had to move around there or... 
there were times when Federico would include a sh- very small string of code. Mm-hmm. How do you read that in a way that makes any sense to people? You read it in a computer voice. You have to pretend that you're a robot in bleep, that bleep. moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. NS string. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to you have to be the Snellatron for a moment there and and read it like that. Yeah, it was so stuff like that was very tricky, and so I think that's part of it is that I. I had to pay complete attention to every word that I was reading in case anything like that was going to happen. So, like, the attention as well, I think, is what added to the fatigue. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just a complete, like, you must focus. You know, and I expect a lot of the ways that audiobook readers get around a lot of this stuff is spending a lot of time reading the text beforehand. I didn't have time to do that. Yeah, well, actually, um, when you just said that, I was just wondering because... I mean, again, Federico's reviews, it's a lot of words. Like, do you know how many, what the word count was for uh, the book in the end? I don't know off the top of my head, no. no it's it's going to be like, like they are novella sizes. Mm-hmm. I think we can, we can fairly say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I'm just realizing though that it, it's, it's not like, it's not like he's just going to finish the book on, on one particular day and then hand it to you and it has to, like, he, yep. like there's not going to be enough buffer time between no. when he thinks the review is finished because the review, uh, I know, is being, like, tinkered with until the absolute last possible mm-hmm. second. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that you must have gotten segments as it's gone along. Yeah. Like, this segment is close enough, just go. Yeah, that was how we decided to do it. Like, there would be mm. chapters that could be completed in advance, and I was just completing each chapter as they were coming to me. But it was a short period of time, right? Like, the ones that were done early, they were done in, like, early August. Mm-hmm. Because they were easy to do, they were done. But then there was a bunch that were done within a week to 10, 14 days of the thing being released. So there was a real time pressure to having everything done. So with me also trying to work my usual life at the busiest time in my working year. Right. So so during high iPhone season, mm-hmm. when your life is the busiest it's going to be, mm-hmm. you also decided to add in another 35-hour project yeah. just on top of that for funsies. So there wasn't enough time for me to sit and read the entire thing multiple times before I read it. So I had to read everything as it was happening and would make changes as I needed to, right? Like, So I expect that one of the ways that it is less mentally taxing is by having already gone through it and having the text in your mind in some way because you probably then need to think less about what you change and what you don't and how you present things. Because, like, I know that there is a part of my brain that is able to capture this stuff. Because when I edit this show four or five days sometimes after we've recorded it, my brain knows the parts that need to be taken out without me knowing it. Mm -hmm. We'll get to a section and I'll be like, I'm going to cut this part. Or, like, there's a part where I'm like, oh, I know I re-say this in a moment, in a a clearer Mm -hmm. way. So I'm just going to cut that. But I don't actively remember these things. I don't note them down, but it's just floating around somewhere in my brain. So I'm I'm confident that if I would have been able to sit and read that book in advance, it would have been easier for me to record it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have the luxury of that time because the deadline was any time. 
you would it's like you you were doing just in time audiobook production that's that was what you it were doing. yep that was it <laughs> <laughs> audiobook on demand <laughs> so it was it was interesting for that as well it's like i don't have that in my life like if there is a deadline i can't meet there are steps that i can take to change it there was right. nothing that we could do about this <laughs> if it was ever gonna happen it had to be on that day right and so yeah that was interesting as well the other part of this which i've never done before was answering the question of how much shall i pay you for this you mean how much are, are you mike going to charge for the production of the book yeah so you know federico mm. asked me the question like how much shall i pay you mm-hmm. i didn't know how to answer that question well, well mike haven't you haven't you spent a, a bunch of time tracking your time so yep. that you know exactly what uh what your dollar value is worth every hour haven't so, you done this yes and that was how i actually mm-hmm. ended up coming to the figure ah right is i had a rough idea of what i believed my hours are worth but the other mm-hmm. thing is i didn't know how long it was going to take me yeah that, that's the other problem i didn't know what was fair i didn't know how good it was going to be or if anyone would even want to listen to it it's like all of these questions going around in my mind. It's like, so really, I didn't know how much money to, to charge. Now, I picked a number. We agreed upon the number. I didn't want to go too high, right? Because it, it felt like if I go too high and this sucks, like this guy's one of my best friends. Like I don't want to, you know, like there were, there were so many things in riding on this decision that made it really tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, we ended up on an amount of money that I think was fine for my time. It actually ended up being pretty much exactly what I considered my hourly rate to be mm-hmm. for the amount of time, like the amount of hours that it took me to put this thing together. But I had no idea that was going to be the case when I set out on the project. So it was an interesting experience for me and like somebody saying to me, oh, how much shall I pay you for this? And then I had to like weigh up a bunch of factors that didn't have any monetary value to them to pick out an amount. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, you've, you've got a couple of things here because yes, of course, this is this is where you do have the complication of you're, you're working with someone who is also a friend, mm-hmm. which always makes things harder. Like, interesting. It, it, makes them yeah. more interesting. <laughs> and we could say interesting, but it's like, or, or perhaps less clear, right, is, sure. is, a, is another way to put it, right? It's, it's it, The waters are a bit more muddied uh, because like it's it's always tricky to, to separate out these these kinds of things um and and yeah like you said you don't know how much it's how much it's it's going to like how many hours you're going to be putting into this this kind of thing you're you're describing part of the the problems which in some sense where you as you as the cog in the machine in theory don't really have to worry about the market demand for this product, right? That like that is the burden that the employer should be taking on and should be he's like he's making a calculation that people will want to buy it and he's paying it for you. But but like you as someone who also is running a business can't help but be running that side of the equation in your head. So I can see why it's like a very hard thing to figure out what is it that you actually want to charge in, in the end for this thing. But I'm glad that you came to what you th- think was a fair price. Yeah, I think it ended up working out okay, right? Like I didn't feel like I was paid not enough or too much. Mm-hmm. But it, at the time when we were setting that price, I had no idea what that was going to end up looking like. I also do know that like, even though I feel like it was a fair price, I would have to change that price in the future. Well, at the very least, you, you know, you see you know, it came out to be what your hourly rate is. But, but this, like, this is one of the things when uh, 
people do time tracking and figure out what their hourly rate is. Your hourly rate is is also like you're kind of like your break even rate because it's really it's a question of opportunity cost of this is how much you make per hour working on your own things. Mm-hmm. And so it's the it's the break even rate for any other project. Yeah, and also do you know what? That's it's not the same amount of money. That is my hourly rate for doing what I'm doing right now. Mhm. I don't know what my hourly rate should be for audiobooks because audiobooks are harder to make than podcasts. Right, yeah. And yeah, and that that's a thing that you have to you have to factor in as as well is uh it it certainly sounds like if you spent the morning working on audiobooks that would dramatically limit the number of podcasts you could probably schedule in the remainder of that day. Yep. Uh <laughs> So you you wouldn't want to have three hours of audiobooks followed immediately by three different shows, uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to guess. Well, because like I was squeezing this in places that I don't want to work as well. Right. right. It was going in the weekends. It was going in the evenings. Like I was consumed by this project for a period of time. So like all of this lends into like, would, what, would I do it again? And if I do, mm-hmm. how would that look like? Right. And yeah, I mean, well, one who knows if I'm ever going to get the opportunity again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this might be it for because like, I'm not paying for that guy again. Uh, nobody knows. Um, so, you know, but, but it was an, it was an interesting, it was a very interesting project. It was illuminating because I think this is the first thing that I've done, which has not been a podcast since I became mm-hmm. self-employed. I can't think of any other work that I've completed um, for, to be paid for during this period mm-hmm. of time. So it was illuminating to me to see that, to see what that see what that process would be like, to to have that feeling of producing something different. Mm-hmm. I think I just like making podcasts, Gray. <laughs> so you're not gonna you're not gonna spin up an audiobook production no. house on the side. No, no? I have no interest in doing this for anybody other than Federico. <laughs> like if he asked me to do it again, I have no doubt that we could come to an agreement that we'd both be really happy with and I would do it again because on the whole, uh-huh. like I'm happy that I have this thing uh, that I've made because I think that it's good. I think people, and I've heard from a lot of people that have enjoyed it. And, you know, like I wanted to make this because it would help people like me that want to consume something but struggle with it. And mm-hmm. there has been an interesting side effect of hearing from people that, for whatever reason, are unable to read this, but are now able to consume it in a way that they can actually get the information when they've always wanted to but couldn't. That's been like a really nice side effect of this, but that doesn't mean that I want to turn this into a business. You know, like these are the reasons why, given the opportunity, I would consider to do this again. But it's not like, well, now I want to read every article that anybody ever writes. And, you know, that's that's not a thing that I want to do. But I now know. I now know I have this feather in my cap. Like I know I can make an audiobook now, um, and there are things that I would do differently if I was ever going to do this again. There are processes that I would have that are different. But I don't consider this as part of my business. So for for audiobooks, you only have eyes for Tichi. That's what you're saying. I think that might be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, people should go check it out. It, they should. Yeah. There'll be links in the show notes. I I really think that. This is a valuable resource if you work on iOS or do anything. You just enjoy using iOS. There's a lot of information in here. There, are, I know that in reading this book, there were a bunch of things that I found out about an operating system that I've been using for three months and had no idea it could do because typically people don't spend six months of their life 
devoting themselves to a thing in the way that Federico does. So yeah, I think there's a lot of information that's interesting. I think that it is well produced. Uh, and so it is available for you to go and purchase if you would like to. And I think that you should. Yeah, I have to say, I always look forward to Federico's reviews of iOS. Like he just he does just do such a such a great job. And I, I find the exact same experience of, oh, I've been on the betas for several months and come across information that I did not know or like details of, oh, this is a way to do a thing a little a little more smoothly. That, that's why I say I feel like his his reviews are really the definitive reviews. So uh, uh, also, like if you are interested in this kind of stuff, like I highly recommend them. And uh, this year you can go listen to Mike read the audiobook version of this review. Listen to his sultry tones. Mm-hmm. Talk about iOS 11. The conclusion, especially, I put a lot into the conclusion. Ooh. I put on my best conclusion voice. <laughs> I'm not sure what a conclusion voice sounds like. I'll have to go listen to the conclusion to find out. Yeah, it's the only way you're going to know. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the Dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection that you can get throughout your house, even into the backyard. And now is the best time to get started with Eero as they've just released their super slick second generation devices. Eero have introduced their tri-band second generation model along with the Eero Beacon, allowing you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home. The new second generation Eero includes a third 5GHz radio, making it twice as fast as ever before. This lets you do more than you ever could. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. The Eero device sits flat on any surface. You just plug it into the wall and you're ready to connect your Eero, either with Ethernet or wirelessly. The new Eero also includes what's called a thread radio, which lets you connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, and more. And they have the Eero beacon. You just plug these directly into the wall and it'll expand coverage into any room. You can add as many Eero beacons as you want throughout your house, so long as you have just one regular Eero device. And they even include a built-in LED nightlight as well with an ambient light sensor. Look, here's the thing. With Eero, you're going to get Wi-Fi that's faster than you've gotten before because you get this distributed network. It's what allows you to stay connected at high speeds no matter where you are in the house. They have a great app that allows you to see what devices are connected, which is really awesome. So you just open it up and you can see, oh, I have this many devices. And it also allows you to give people that come to your home codes so they could just get onto your Wi-Fi and a guest network really easily. It's so, so cool. It's so simple to set up. The devices look great and they stay out of the way at home as well. The new Eero system starts at $399 for one second gen Eero and two beacons. And that's everything you need to get started. Listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the US or Canada when you go to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com and use the promo code Cortex. That's Eero.com with the promo code Cortex for free overnight shipping. I want to thank Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. So great. Yeah. We move on to what some people will consider to be the main event of this episode. Mm-hmm. For good reason. I want to talk to you about the iPhone. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple iPhones. We have the iPhones 8, the 8 and the 8 Plus, and the iPhone 10. I want to know what you think about them. I know you think this is going to be the main event, but I... I actually, I actually don't have a whole lot of thoughts on. It's on not this about what release. you say, right? It's about people just want to know, including me, because I don't even know what you think about these phones. <laughs> so, like, it's not like Gray's about to drop a bomb of knowledge on us all. It's just like, what do you think about them? 
Uh, well, I mean, this this is the first year in a long time where uh, I, I didn't even watch the keynote live. What? Uh, Why? Yeah. It's a long story that ends with I, I was in the, the foothills of Bavaria on a internet connection that was, was being herded to me bit by bit on the back of sheep. Uh, so I was I was I not able to okay. I was not able to watch it live. I wasn't I wasn't even theoretically able to watch it until days later. So this mm-hmm. is actually one keynote event that I have I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only simply read articles later and then okay. gone on to Apple's website to take a look at stuff. Yeah, so. if, if you've looked at the website though, you know what you need to know, right? Like mm-hmm. the website really actually does a better way of displaying the product than the keynote video does because mm-hmm. that's the point of it. Yeah, it, it is. It is a thing where I, I I sort of thought like, oh, I'll watch the keynote after. But this is this is one case where watching it live is very fun. Watching it not live, it's not. Yeah, it, it, watching it not live, I become very aware of um, how to put this. Even when Apple is going fast, there's a kind of very low information density in a in a keynote presentation uh that i think just mm, it's like I'll, I'll 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 read some reviews and i'll look on the website and I'll, I'll get the information from there that i need to so that's that is how i have consumed the information about iphone x and the other iPhones uh, there we go there available. we go that's that's what i was really waiting for Okay, so we got that going on. There's nothing I can do about it, everybody. I will say I wish that it was called the iPhone X. It's not what it's called. Um, if there was any question about what Gray was going to call it, that question has now been answered. So, well, I mean, if you just read it, that seems like the yeah. way it should be said. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, that's <laughs> why I constantly stumble over myself now. Are you uh, now? So this this is a. I feel like this is a kind of professional question. Mm-hmm. Are you going to on your because you because you Mike, you're an actual professional tech person, yeah, reviewing and talking about things, mm-hmm. right? I'm I just happen to do this show with you and we talk about tech, but like this is this is literally your job. Yep. Are you going to make the effort to call it iPhone 10, even though you must know in your heart of hearts that the vast majority of the human population will forever call this the iphone x like you know that's going to be the case right yeah people that are unaware will call Mm -hmm. this thing the iphone x Mm -hmm. forever Mm -hmm. like the eye touch worse than that and and for for more reason because it was never called the eye touch like eye and then touch were never written together like that's just something that people said and they were wrong, and I don't really know why that happened. That people just forgot that the pod existed in between the middle of those two things. But, it was like it was too funny not to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> but people would say it with it, dead though. seriousness. Yeah, I don't like that. That, one's, that one. I just, it's not. I don't dislike it because it's wrong. I just think that that sounds ugly. Hmm. I touch. Uh, but the X, it says it right. Like that yeah. is the letter X. It's what it is, right? So I understand that people are going to call it the iPhone X. It's why I keep calling it the iPhone X accidentally. Accidentally, mm-hmm. you could say. No, we, we could not say that. I mean, you could. I'm not saying you would want to. I'm just saying that you could say it if you wanted to. 
Um, but no, it is the iPhone 10, and I will call it the iPhone 10, and I will endeavor to call it the iPhone 10 for as long as the iPhone 10 exists. Because that's the correct pronunciation of the product. Like, that's what it's called, right? You know, that that is what it is. It's like, I don't call it iPhone, right? Like, I don't, you know, it's the iPhone, right? Like, I, I do my best to say it the way it's supposed to be said as opposed to how it may look. Sorry, I, I, like, I could not, I was like, I cannot parse what you think you, if, like, if that was not registering in my brain. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm confused, Mike, because you say Wunderlist. Right, because that's so. correct. Like, the, it's a, it is a product made in Germany, right? <laughs> it is Wunderlist, right? Like, that well, is what it is. What was your other one? You want to say to Taoist? To Doist. I mean, and <laughs> don't even get me started on this, Gray, because if you ask Siri uh-huh. things about Todoist, mm-hmm. I have found in my tests, Siri just wants to do it. Doesn't hmm. understand what Todoist means. And I have honestly had people tell me, just say it like to Doist. I'm like, oh, it's come back to bite me, that one. Right? So there we go. I got that going for me. So that's what Siri thinks. Come so on you, so you, you as a professional, yep. you're, going to, you're going to go for the iPhone 10. I'm going to call it the iPhone 10 because that's the name right. of the product. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious. I just pulled up the Apple webpage uh, because... Like, obviously, I know that it's supposed to be called the iPhone 10. I'm going to devote 0% of my brain to trying to do that. Uh, but I was curious to say, like, oh, let, let's imagine I hadn't um, been aware of this. And I wasn't the kind of person who tries to watch the keynote and then realizes, oh, it's super boring when it's not live. And I just went on to the Apple page where you can buy the iPhone X and wanted to see, does it say 10 anywhere on the page? And as far as I can tell, it, it does not. There's, there is nowhere on the page right. where they write it out and say the word well, no, 10. They wouldn't do that, right? It's like they never did that for OS 10. Yeah, and, and that, that is the reason why like, I think it might not have been until maybe 10.5 or 10.6, like years and years later, until I even ever first heard someone say uh, OS 10 on a podcast. And I was shocked because it was a thing I only I like I'd followed Apple relatively closely. But at that point in time, it had only been just through like a text based pre podcast mm. Internet. And yeah. just had never, ever heard anybody say the word of the Mac operating system. I see. But that was the different thing for me is that the majority of time that I was familiar with OS 10, I'd heard it being said. Right. Like I didn't have mm-hmm. a time in my life where I was hearing or like just just reading OS X in my brain without there being podcasts or videos or whatever it was I was consuming at the time where I would hear people call it OS X. The other one, which is an interesting example, is is Final Cut because it's Final Cut Pro. And I thought Apple's position was that it's Final Cut Pro X. Like I thought that was the name. I believe that is the name. But but the thing that I'm wondering is uh, actually I, I bought like a professional course to to review some of the details of of how that works because i just Mm -hmm. was kind of like redoubling my efforts in the program and they keep pronouncing it final cut 10 so i I wonder if it if it really is 10 in terms of apple speak it just raises it raises like what what is apple's position on final cut like what what i'd be curious for someone to find in a keynote where is someone on an apple stage saying the name of final cut do they say x or do they say 10 i'm I'm, i now have enough doubt in my mind that i bet they say 10 when they talk about final cut so the new final cut pro 10 
Uh, although I think it's it's probably been a long time since Final Cut has been on center stage at an Apple event. Uh, but still, anyway, I, 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 so I think you're making the correct decision for you as a as a professional person. But I, I think this this is going to be such an an incredible tidal wave in the opposite direction of everybody in the world just calling it iPhone X. And I, and I think Apple is 100% to blame for that. And I would assume that they know this. So why do you think that they do it then? I don't know. I think they didn't want to put the number 10 here, right? They didn't want it to be iPhone 1.0. Mm-hmm. I think that they wanted to call it the iPhone 10 because the idea of the phone being from the future, we have the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 because this is a phone that is the future's phone today. And I'm not really sure why they chose the X. Like, I know why they called it 10. I think that the reasons for calling it 10 are fine, right? Like that idea of being the future. I can't fully put my finger on why they would choose the Roman numeral when they've removed the Roman numeral from the Mac. Like, it's just Mac OS and then a name now. There were a lot of other options that Apple could have gone with with the name of this iPhone, which wouldn't mm-hmm. have been numbers at all, which also would have worked. Mm-hmm. Apple makes interesting choices at naming products. They always have. They always will. Most of them don't make sense when you put them under a microscope. Uh, this one is the same. Like when you start to really think about it, like why did they do this? Because somebody liked the way it looked on a poster, probably. Like that's probably as far as it goes. That like when you go to their website, what do you see when you go to that page? A huge, colorful X. Yeah. When you go to the page, I think that was just all they wanted. Like hmm. futuristic, weird. It's an X. It's not a, a number one zero. Like. They wanted to keep, for whatever reason, they wanted to keep it to be sequential, right? That there could, in theory, be an iPhone 9 still. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think iPhone 9 is going to happen. I, I, I have it a depends. hard time imagining there, there, are, there are a lot of things that have to happen between now and next year for there not to be an iPhone 9. And that means that they have to be able to produce more of these edge-to-edge screen phones which as it looks like right now where we're sitting at the end of september it is difficult for apple to produce them they're coming out later and there are lots of rumors of supply chain problems and there are also you know this phone's been heavily rumored as potentially it was most supposed to be here last year so Mm. i I don't know i think that they have to be able to produce this phone at scale or maybe in multiple sizes for there not to be an iPhone 9 next year. And I personally, where we sit right now, I think the, the, the jury's out on that one. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting question. I, I expect that the, the pre-order and wait period is going to be a real bloodbath with this. Yep. Like the, 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 kind, the kind that we have never seen before. I think, that, I think you'll be lucky. You will be lucky if you get one of these in 2017. I think you will be lucky. You might be right about that, yeah. The AirPods delay is going to look like nothing compared to this is is my expectation. Yep. Because, you know, there are a lot of people saying that the iPhone 8, whilst it looks like a great phone, it looks like the people were waiting because they want the, the latest and greatest phone, right? Which I get. I'm in that camp myself. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what you think. What do you think of these phones? Like, what is your opinion? What do you want? Why do you want? What do you hate? Like, what about these phones interests you or doesn't interest you? Do they at all? Like, what is your opinion on what's going on here? I actually decided that I'm just going to get the iPhone 8 this year. Like, I'm... Okay. Okay. 
That's actually not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen at all. Of course not, Mike. You have me. You got me, man. I was like... But the thing is, though, Greg, you make a lot of really weird decisions when it comes to your iPhone, so, like, it wouldn't have surprised me. No, I'm not going to get the 8. I'm I'm going to hold out for the X, and I'm I'm hoping to get it this year, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and not in 2018. But depending on how many milliseconds it takes me to fill out my order at, at the exact stroke of uh, whatever it is, 10.01 a.m. in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, it, it, may, it may take a while longer. But, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in the phone. I think it looks really good. Uh, but the, the really, the biggest deal for me is, is simply that it is a, a new form factor, which... I don't know. Uh, I have been I have been unhappy with the form factor from Apple for the last four years. You know, starting with the iPhone six, uh, which I which I really didn't like, and I think they've refined and made the design better over time. But I still just the physical size and interaction of the device has never never been what I wanted out of a phone, and I feel like I've always been trading off different amounts of unpleasantness for different advantages yep so that's why like i am more excited about the new iphone than i have been about an iphone in the past four years and i can say that's genuinely nice to feel like i'm excited to have a different form factor to try it like and i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna really try to love this phone and and really just get used to its its size and i'm i'm hoping it's in between size is is better for my my personal use like like there are obviously there are a bunch of cool features and interesting things about the phone but for me that is that is the number one biggest deal is it is a different form factor and and that is what i want to to try out most with this new phone yeah, I think that there, for people that like the Plus, people like me and you, there are going to be some interesting trade-offs here. Like, what is what is this actually going to be like? Mm-hmm. But I think that on the whole, I'm going to be happy with this phone. I mean, I will just say... Let me ask you a quick question, actually. Do you think it is attractive? Yeah, I think it's a good-looking phone. Does the notch bother you? No, it doesn't. I think this is this is a case where... I'm totally fine with the notch because I understand the the like limitations of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand the reason for making this decision, and I think it's fine. Like I'm I'm perfectly acceptable about this. Yeah. What I think is a what I think is a more interesting question is is Apple going to decide to just stick with this notch as like this is what iPhones look like? from now on as a almost like a branding decision to distinguish them from other phones or is apple going to try to get rid of the notches as quickly as possible and this is this is a question i feel like i don't have uh i don't have a really solid opinion on that i like i can i can blow in the wind either direction based on on who's talking to me at that point in time i could see apple saying no we're going to keep this notch there because it will always allow us to be able to jam in more and more sensors like in this in this dedicated area or i could see them just getting rid of it as as fast as they possibly can i i don't know like what do you think about that as you can imagine i do have a very solid opinion on this okay Uh, i think that they will eventually remove the notch Mm -hmm. but they're not going to rush for it Hmm. i would expect that apple are working as quickly as they can to find ways to do this 
but there is an in-between time which they mm-hmm. will embrace. And I believe that over the next few years, they will keep that notch. They may make it smaller. They may change it in shape. But they will take that space to put more sensors in to make things yeah. like Face ID better and to give themselves some time to work through a lot of that stuff. And I think a good example of, of their thinking behind this type of stuff is the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch has had three revisions now and the case hasn't changed because they have been spending the time to stuff in what they need to stuff in. Hmm. You look at the previous iPhone. You know The iPhone has had a chin and a forehead, which has been pretty much the same proportions for 10 years whilst they were getting everything into the phone that they needed to get into the phone before they felt like they could push the screen to more towards the edges. I think they'll do this with the notch. I think part of the reason the notch is there, part of the reason that it looks the way it does, is so Apple can differentiate themselves in the market. Because mm. if they created a phone that was completely flat on the top, it would look just like a Samsung. It would look just like an LG. And you can love or hate that design, and that's totally up to you, and that's why consumer choice exists. But I think this is part of it. And I think the reason that they're asking developers to develop around it, they want people to fill the screen, is this is the way that Apple wants the iPhone to look. You know, the outlines that they have of the iPhone on the on the page, on like literally on their store page, they they show the notch in the outline. Like they want the outline of a phone that they make to look like this. Like I've long thought, and I especially noticed this when I was when I was working in my advertising job, because there would be times when I would have to uh, buy some stock like artwork, and I would want to buy stock artwork of a smartphone because I would mm-hmm. need it. All stock artwork of a smartphone looked like an iPhone. I definitely ran across that with uh, animation stuff when I used to use clip art. It's like, you you know what a phone looks like? It looks like an iPhone. (laughs) Apple created, there is no argument about this. I will not accept one. Apple created the de facto image of how a smartphone with a touchscreen looks. It is a rectangle with a screen in the middle with some space Mm -hmm. on the top and some space on the bottom. And for close to 10 years, every smartphone had that basic design to it. They created that design language. Then, over the last year or so, maybe the last two years, companies like LG and Samsung have created overall new designs because the screens look different. The front of the phone doesn't look like an iPhone anymore. They look different. You know, LG created one that went all the way to the edges um, but you could still see the front. And then Samsung created their Infinity Display where it kind of bleeds off the sides. Mm-hmm. They created designs for phones. Now, both of these phones look different and the outlines of these phones look different because companies have found ways to finally push the technology past what have become the de facto standard. I believe that Apple decided to make some decisions for this phone. They wanted to have Face ID because they wanted to get rid of the Touch ID. They didn't want to put Touch ID on the back. So they had to put the cameras in. They had, they had two decisions. You either make a thin forehead, you just chop off the top, put the sensors in, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Or you have the screen bleed around the sides in a big way, in a way that nobody else is doing. The essential phone just has a camera in there. It's a little one in the middle. It doesn't look like the iPhone. The iPhone has this big black bar that goes across the top. I think that they decided that they wanted to create what they believe their smartphones are going to look like for potentially the next 10 years. This is the design they chose for that because 
whether you love them or hate them, Apple are sometimes the biggest, sometimes second biggest handset manufacturer. They have to make a design that they think makes sense for them. And they moved away from the chin and forehead and they went for the notch. This is the iPhone. This is what they believe the future of phones is going to look like. And this might be what ends up being stock photography in five years. But what will probably be, it would look something more like an LG. (laughs) But Apple decided they didn't want to look like what a phone looks like. And they've made their phone look weird and different in its own way. Yeah, well, I think of, uh, I, I always like seeing little signs that say like no cell phones allowed, like if you're, you know, in various places yep. and it's, it's just, it's always interesting to see like what is chosen as the little symbol. Mm-hmm. And it, I would say in, in many public places in a city, uh, it's still overwhelmingly the 1990s cell phone, like a little keyboard with a wire sticking yeah. up on the side, which <laughs> I just think is is funny, uh, you know, and funny and anachronistic in you know in, in this way of like oh like what an icon for what a phone looks like is a phone that nobody has used in forever, you know, and then you do see places that use the iPhone looking phone, right, and then like a no phones allowed symbol or like here's here's the thing for your phone, but there is an interesting thing that. Like I, I will give give Samsung that their phones are, I don't know how to put it more more elegant or more simple in in their design. But you do run into the problem that you can't just use a rectangle as a symbol for a phone. Like it, it has to have something that's a little bit more recognizable than just a rectangle. If you're talking about very simple iconography, and so it is. I do think it's an interesting question of like what will the thing that is is the outline of the phone with the notch like will that start showing up as a generic symbol for phones uh in the same way that the like clearly an iphone of the past showed up everywhere as a generic symbol for phones uh i, I don't know but I, i'm i'm willing to bet that at the very least a standard rectangle with nothing to distinguish it is not going to show up as an icon for a phone because it is not iconic enough. There is nothing to identify it. And this is where I wonder if Apple is deciding to just stick with it. Because I do do think that it does give you the advantage of having a space where you can always stick new sensors and new stuff without having to worry about how does this interact through a screen that is a display. They have given themselves some leeway. Yeah, and, and it's like... You know, even if even if let's say we had the technology to put all of this stuff underneath a screen right now, you don't necessarily know what other sensors you might want to add. And and there's no doubt that the the question of can you add a sensor versus can you add that sensor also underneath a screen, the second thing is harder to do. And so if if you leave yourself space, you can potentially put stuff in sooner than you otherwise could if you also had to figure out how to get it under under a screen. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they keep the notch around. Um, but that said, like I wouldn't be surprised if in three years Apple says, oh the hell with it. Like we're just going we're just going all screen as well. I, I really don't have a strong opinion on this one. But I am I am glad that it's like we're we're in a phase where it is fun and interesting speculation time about what Apple's up to. As opposed to like, oh, it's the iPhone 6 again, yeah. but just with with some changes. And the iPhone 8 looks like a great phone. Um, like the iPhone 8 looks like a better revision than the 7 from the 6. Oh, yeah. But it is being completely overshadowed. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll put it in air quotes, the wireless charging. I, like, I think that is a really great addition. And that's a thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to. And, and I am also, I'm also really glad that Apple put the wireless charging in the eight because I feel like and anything Apple can do to push that farther and faster with adoption everywhere, like everybody benefits from that. Yep. And, and that's great. And choosing an open standard is a surprise but awesome move. I'm very happy to see Apple choose an industry standard with uh, Qi charging. Like that is, that's great. <laughs> uh, as opposed to, like I don't want to go into a Starbucks and there's the pad for Apple devices and there's the pad for everything else. Like, oh, don't, don't need that. Like any, anything we can do to make charging easier and everywhere, that's, that's great. So like I am, I'm super glad that they're putting the wireless charging in the device that's going to sell way more just to like, encourage the spread of that faster so are you going to be waiting are you going to be putting in an order what do you mean for the iphone 8 for the iphone 10 oh yeah no of course for the iphone x without a doubt (laughs) i would i would like it in my hands as as soon as possible but i am i am i'm mentally preparing myself for the notion that this may take forever yeah you may just be going to apple stores and fondling them for a while yeah, exactly. Like, do you mind if I just use your phone in the store for for several hours? Can I set it up? Like, no, you can't do that. So you have to put it down. Like, oh, or like I did when the the iPad Pro came out, and I was I was trying to ask the Apple employees, like, can I buy your store display of the pencil off of you? And they're like, no, you can't. We have to leave the pencils here. So, uh, so I'm I'm very excited about it, but I'm. I'm preparing myself in advance for it's like well it's going to be a long time until the pre-order and get ready for a longer time of actually waiting for it to really ship the waiting is the hardest part yes the waiting is the hardest part there's gonna be a lot of sad Christmas trees I think this year I'm not looking forward to it you know if you think that my my delivery woes today were one thing boy oh boy that's gonna be something else something else.